0: Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Welcome to the Repack. I'm Justice Mosqueda. Uh, I'm going to be holding down this show solo today, so if you'll bear with me, uh, this is probably going to be a little bit of a shorter show. Um, The Green Bay Packers lost uh, 34-31 to the Minnesota Vikings. Um, I want to start... Uh, this by talking about the offense. So, Aaron Rodgers, 23 of 33 for 385 yards, four touchdowns, zero interceptions, two sacks, 13 sack yards. On paper, that looks like a very good game. Um, if you're able to catch the game, you probably noticed a lot of those came on explosives in the second half. So, like the yards per attempt metrics, right? Um, I think are a little bit skewed in terms of that. Early on in the game, I would say that the passing game uh, struggled and it's worth noting. He said this after the game, I've had a turf toe. It's a little worse than turf toe. I'm just going to have to go get through the buy. And then he later said probably the same schedule next week. was in a lot of pain. Went in a halftime early to get it checked out. So whatever Rogers mystery uh, toe injury is, it seems like it's probably going to be more long-term than anyone assumed. Um, Sounds like he's probably going to get held out of practice or at least be limited early in the week next week. Uh, In the backfield, obviously, Aaron Jones was out. Um, They had 19 carries total. 11 went to A.J. Dillon, 4 went to Patrick Taylor. Uh, Patrick Taylor seemed like everything that we expected. Um, He's kind of like an all-around back uh, who can kind of do a lot of the same things that A.J. Dillon did. Um, The running backs combined for 15 carries for 64 yards, you'd probably like to see a little bit more production there um but they did they struggled against Minnesota's pressure front which was kind of similar to like what Kansas City did but it's kind of the first time that the Packers have kind of seen that defense with Aaron Rodgers under center um when they talked about New Orleans and what caught them off guard about New Orleans uh playing basically two man coverage in week 1 and you know it just spiraled out of hand they mentioned that they thought that they were going to see a lot of pressure looks and it seems like this is kind of like their first real look at it uh, this season with their, you know, starting quarterback. Um, Marquez Valdez-Scanling and Devontae Adams got 11 receptions for 238 yards and three touchdowns. I don't think that's surprising. You know, you're, you think pressure looks, Aaron Rodgers, who are his two go-to shot guys when Robert Tunyon is out. It's going to be MVS and Devontae. Um, Randall Cobb only had one reception. Uh, that's significant to me because he had the second most snaps Last week, and obviously Alan Lazard was out this week with a shoulder injury. So Cobb, being the wide receiver too, seemed to be a week uh, 10 thing. And it doesn't seem like it's going to be that moving forward. Josiah Deguara did not get yelled at. He, in fact, caught his first touchdown in his NFL career on a scramble drill, which is usually when you see Rodgers uh, bark at Deguara. So it's nice to see him get on the same page. It really seemed like the offense... Went back to their jet motion stuff like what they used with Tyler Irvin. Um, The difference is now it seemed like it was Randall Cobb and Equinemia St. Brown uh, that were kind of operating it. We've seen this earlier on in the season uh, in spurts uh, with not only those two but also Amari Rogers as the motion man. But it really seemed like Equinemia St. Brown was kind of the guy on jet motion and end around motion. Um, They said after the presser they stole it from, uh, they stole a lot of those like handoffs and. Uh, fake mechanics from a team that plays a similar offense to them. I don't know if you need me to uh, tell you to read between the lines there, but it's San Francisco who, you know, obviously Kyle Shanahan has a history with uh, Matt LaFleur and, you know, Matt tried to s- sign uh, the old offensive, uh, I think his was uh, offensive line coach, uh, Mike LaFleur, his brother, who's now with the Jets as the OC. Royce Newman on the offensive line, obviously an issue. Um Seems like he's just going to be there for the rest of the season now with uh, Ellen Jenkins out. We haven't gotten anything official. It sounds like the early reports are they're worried Ellen Jenkins blew out his ACL, which is kind of a gut punch. Um, Aaron Rodgers, after the game, said David Bakhtiari's status is unknown. Um, I thought that that was worth noting. I don't... It's kind of hard to tell. with They don't say anything about Bakhtiari really definitively um, in the press conferences, so it's hard to know if this really is just part of Bakhtiari's recovery process or if there was some sort of setback at some point. I think Rogers saying that you know his status is unknown is at least a little bit noteworthy. Um, like I mentioned, saw a lot of pressures, a lot of shot plays, didn't hit early, offense sputtered early on. They could do a lot better um, in terms of just trying to get into like RPOs and quick game and stuff like that. But for whatever reason, it seems like they want to make teams pay for it rather than just kind of, like, take what the defense gives them. We saw it with Jordan Love. Um, that's really the only time that we've really seen that level of pressure um, early on in the game. So I uh, I wonder what this will look like the second time around they play. Or, you know, there, there's going to be other teams in the playoffs that are going to play a bunch of pressure looks. I mean, Tampa sends their guys all the time. They don't walk them down to the line of scrimmage necessarily. They blitz them from depth. Um, but, you know, the Rams, too, is another one where – defensively they sure put a lot out there so it'll be interesting to see how they play in upcoming weeks against these pressure looks because most teams have been playing them kind of too high structure they'll either jam it or just play like soft spot drop zone get eyes to the ball and just kind of rally to the tackle type thing and hope that a four-man pressure gets home well Minnesota kind of forced it um (laughs) they kind of played Green Bay how like Green Bay has been playing other teams for most of the year in terms of walking down five guys to the line of scrimmage and trying to get, you know, one-on-ones across the board on the line. Um, defensively, Green Bay had to play a lot more base personnel in this game. Um, thought that that was probably obvious coming into it just based off of how Minnesota plays. Remember, we're coming off of a stretch where they played Washington, Arizona, uh, Kansas city and Seattle with Seattle specifically not being able to go under center with Russell Wilson's finger. Um, switching back to that kind of Minnesota Vikings offense where, you know, they could have two backs out there. They could have two tight ends out there. Um, Green Bay hasn't really seen that probably since the Chicago game. Um, so, you know, you get a lot of questions of like, Hey, what's made Green Bay's offense or defense look really good the last couple of weeks. What's changed. And I think the change is the offenses that they're seeing Um they're, They've been, their defense is kind of built to stop like the 11 personnel stuff. Um, so, They know how to play that. It's when teams get heavier and you're able to get cornerbacks functionally kind of like one-on-one instead of using Chandler as uh, help coverage. Um, I I think that's what gives them a little bit of trouble, especially with the alignment that they have. I mean, there's a lot of good things about the bare front. The bare front kind of incentivizes teams not to inside run, but when they do inside run, it's also very hard to get off of those blocks. Um, so there's a reason why, you know, Green Bay in terms of run defense, I think everyone would say like, Hey, you can look at their missed tackles, right? And missed tackles. They're one of the best in the league in terms of avoiding missed tackles. They're also one of the worst in the league in terms of getting tackles for losses. Um, I think that's just kind of the nature of the defense and it's always going to be a bad matchup, uh, whenever they play against a team like this, you can look at, uh, the new Orleans saints game. Uh, new Orleans went out there, they, they put three tight ends out there at times and just kind of ran it down their throat. And uh, you got to remember Green Bay had that like month-long stretch where they didn't have a tackle for loss. I don't think it's necessarily the players. I don't think it's necessarily the scheme being bad. It's probably the scheme being vanilla on a down-to-down basis against those specific looks was is what I would say is probably the issue. Um, Kevin King, at cornerback, is no longer having the best games of his career uh, strung along. Um, he probably had the best three-game stretch in his Packers career in the past four games. Not so much after this one. Kenny Clark had another elite game. Um, I thought he did a lot of stuff uh, on the interior in terms of getting pressure. Um, they really needed pass, pass production you know, from that interior offensive line with the edge rushers that they had. Tepa Galea, I know, had some flash plays where... Shockingly, him at like 230 pounds was able to set the edge, um, but he wasn't able to kind of get after the passer in the way that you would probably want. I know O'Neal, uh, their right tackle, is a pretty good player, but still, I mean, if you're putting the 230-pounder out there who's a speed rusher, you probably want him getting after it. Um, I think that was probably one of the bigger issues in this game too when you look at their wide receivers going off. Um, I think a lot of times that wasn't even necessarily a coverage issue in terms of like... It's not like the pass was coming out two seconds into a play, and then they were just rip-roaring downfield. Uh, It was more like Kirk Cousins was able to hold on to the ball, and then coverage eventually breaks down, and plays are going to be played poorly when cornerbacks are playing out for them. So they definitely needed uh, Gary in this game. Gary wasn't able to play. There's nothing you can do. Um, It seemed like he tried to brace it up, and uh, it was a game-time decision, and it just didn't go right so you know tipa had to get in the game it is what it is uh jefferson thielen and cook combined for 366 yards of four touchdowns so the minnesota thing is just basically that minnesota's production was basically just yeah their stars were making plays, and it was hard to match up with them frankly um henry black's coverage ability i thought looked real bad on film today so henry black is the team's third safety They don't roster a fourth safety on game day. Vernon Scott has essentially been a healthy scratch for most of the season after missing most of the summer with a hamstring injury. I'm not sure what the plan is there, um, but they can't even really make a switch with Henry Black right now because they just don't have enough bodies on the roster, at least on the game day active roster. So I don't know what you'd necessarily do there. There were some openings, I thought, on the Seahawks film last week when I watched it with uh, Coach Vass. For his YouTube page, uh, his name's Chris Vassar. Uh, he was state champion, winning defensive coordinator in the state of California. Um, we broke down the game. One of the big issues that we saw that Seattle basically wasn't able to take advantage of was Henry Black and those dime looks. Green Bay uses three safety dimes, so uh, they pull you know an extra interior lineman off of the field, and they end up playing uh, a third safety instead of a second slot corner, basically. And Henry Black ends up playing the slot he wasn't really playing sticky coverage, and there were opportunities for Seattle. Both, both uh, Coach Vassar and I thought um, for Seattle to make some plays, they weren't able to execute because obviously Russ's accuracy was all over the place. I think her cousins saw that film last week, and he made the most of it. So that that's something worth noting. The other thing too is like Eric Stokes's youth, um, Russell Douglas's uh, ball skills. I think all those things came into play this week, you know, there was plenty of times where Kirk Cousins was able to throw a ball that in theory, the player should be covered. And then one of his wide receivers just comes down with it. And that's one of the big issues that people have in the NFL. So I'll tell you that people have issues with that from like a defensive coaching perspective in the NFL. So if you talk to some positional coaches and you ask them, well, why aren't you running the man match stuff? that like Alabama's doing out of quarters, right? Where, you know, in theory, you're basically playing, you're basically bracketing one guy on each side of the field and everyone's playing tight coverage is the ultimate goal where you look at the NFL and the NFL, a lot of times it's spot drop coverage. They want eyes on the ball and you rally to the tackle. The answer to that from college coaches and NFL coaches is very different because of the quarterbacks they face. And NFL coaches are so scared of some of these quarterbacks that they don't even necessarily want to play tight coverage because quarterbacks can still complete the ball into tight coverage and wide receivers can still make plays in tight coverage. Um, The answer, obviously on the flip side is that you want to play tight coverage on wide receivers and dissuade quarterbacks from throwing those balls. The question just becomes, all right, well, if I play tight coverage, am I really eliminating that route from being completed? Um, and I guess that's the NFL way to kind of think about it. And the NFL definitely leans more on pass rushing um, being kind of the provider for pass defense efficiency than coverage, which is very different than college football, where you see a lot of drop eight. Um, sometimes you don't even see two edge rushers on the field at the same time, which you virtually never see in the NFL. Um, so that that's worth Looking into a little bit where you see, you know, Russell Douglas, he's right in, you know, Thielen or Jefferson's hip pocket and then they still come down with a pass. Well, it's because he has man eyes. He's looking at the receiver. He's not looking at the ball. That's when a lot of NFL coaches will then look back and say, see, that's why you don't play, you know, tight coverage. That's why you have eyes to the ball. That's why you want to rally to the ball in the NFL and lean into pressure. Um, With that being said, again, Kenny Clark was... By far, the most productive pass rusher I thought in the game, Preston Smith had some hurry or uh, some cleanup sacks you know Tepot wasn't giving that much um from the edge I don't think they were getting a lot from the interior. I know Tyler Lancaster got like two TFLs nice for him, but as a pass rusher, he's not necessarily putting up that type of production so I don't really necessarily know what Green Bay could have even done more from a pass rushing production standpoint other than. Stunts and blitzes. And even then, I don't know if you had the personnel where, like, do you really want Tipa Galea, you know, stabbing into the B gap so you could get Kenny Clark as your nose tackle on the edge? I don't, Kirk gets the ball out of his hand so fast. I don't know if that's a winning game plan. It's just kind of tough. And that's kind of how the cookie crumbled. um Special teams wise, Mason missed the kick, but he hit all four, or four PATs. Uh, not a single return and kickoff return or punt return for the Packers. Um, worth noting that I believe Amari Rodgers was back for the kickoff returns. He just didn't return him out of the end zone or he must have fair caught him. Um, I can't remember every every uh, instance of that, but he was out there with Malik Taylor out and Malik Taylor was also, you know, the team's starting punt gunner. Um, coverage team I thought did solid. So if we're going into vibe checks, I'll say offensively, uh, it was nice seeing them do the different tempo motion stuff with the jet and the end around stuff and not it not being something that was tied to Tyler Irvin specifically. Um, they're lucky that that guy for them is Equinamia St. Brown right now, and he was on the practice squad and played as many games as he was able to off of the practice squad and wasn't poached. They lucked out in that. Uh, obviously, Elton going down is a huge factor. I thought the running backs did fine for what they needed to do. Um, they stalled a little bit in the first half. Let's give him a 6 out of 10. Uh, offensively defensively dang I mean another tough one so coverage wise not their best game pass rushing wise I thought a pretty terrible game um we'll give them six out of ten too I guess bummer special teams Mesa still missed a kick so let's give them five out of ten um just a bummer of a game i mean obviously this isn't the end of the world by any means the packers are still in a very good position to even contend for the top seed uh in the nfc and frankly the nfl um the way the nfl is looking right now so don't take this as like the the sky is falling it's just kind of an odd matchup and it's worth noting that you know when they play against these teams who are you know heavier offenses defensively they're going to have a lot of they have a lot of issues that they don't have answers to yet, I guess is the way to put it. Um, the good news is a bye week is around the corner after this Rams game, and the Rams lead the NFL in 11 personnel. I believe up to this point it's like them and the Bills by far. So you shouldn't see um, you know the same type of looks defensively against the Rams next week. It'll probably be the Kansas City, Arizona, Washington um, there's another team in there that of oh, Seattle, uh, type of defenses, uh, that we've seen in recent weeks before this one. So keep that in mind. Um, like, and subscribe everything on the channel. Uh, keep up with the feed. We'll have injury updates on APC on Monday. Um, hopefully on Jenkins is- injury, isn't as bad as, you know, we thought. Hopefully Bakhtiari and Gary are able to return to practice this week. Lazard too. Uh, that would go a long way. And at some point, hopefully we get some, uh, Good injury news on the Zadarius Smith and Jair Alexander front because this team has been banged up and uh, they need them. So thanks, guys.